Sports Crush with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, 2017 OTAs and minicamps are in the books, and the NFL has officially begun its annual six-week summer slumber until training camp. However, we here at Sports Crush with D. Crom prefer to keep the train rolling with a lot of great content for you until the first teams report for camp. And speaking of teams, tonight we begin our series of individual 2017 team previews. Please note that we will try to break down the 2017 prospects of as many teams as we possibly can, but if we do not feature your favorite team, we ask that you do not take any offense given the limited time we have for broadcasting each week and the wide variety of content we intend to put out there in the weeks ahead. And without further ado, let's take a look on what's on the horizon for the Denver Broncos in 2017 and beyond with a great friend of the show, Jake Marsing of 5280 Sports Network. Great to have you back, Jake. How are you doing? Decrom, I am happy to be with you. As always, I am doing great. It is too hot for my own good, but I am. Uh, I'm in. A, I'm. Uh, I'm good, and I'm happy to be here. And we're happy to have you here, Jake. And uh, let's get started with the uh, thing that's first on every Broncos fan's mind right now: the quarterback competition. And as you know, being at uh, Dove Valley during uh, OTAs, it's obviously a neck-and-neck neck competition headed into trading camp. But from what I have gathered from Broncos beat folks I really trust, like you, Eric Trickle of MileHighHuddle.com, and Benjamin Albright, the vibe is that unless he really screws up in trading camp at preseason, which is a possibility given his gambling playing style, Paxton Lynch will be under center for the Broncos in week one against the Chargers. Do you stick by that sentiment at this moment, or did OTAs and minicamp in any ways change your mind? It's not that OTAs and minicamp changed my mind. It's that I think we all have to slow our roll a little bit on where things sit with these quarterbacks. If I had to say something, if I had to name a starter right now, I'd say, yeah, Paxton Lynch is probably in the lead for this job right now. But there is so much left to be decided. I want to see how Lynch comes back in training camp, how he looks, uh, how he looks in, in training camp. Is he able to sustain the growth that we saw during the OTA period, which was substantial? Is he the same kind of growing and developing player that he was during that period as he is in training camp? If he is, and if he can practice, if, if training camp plays out similarly to how OTAs played out, then Paxton Lynch will be the starter. I've said over and over again, I think Trevor Simeon has to win the job. And and Paxton Lynch doesn't necessarily. I think a tie goes to Lynch simply because of the investment that the organization has made in him. Now, with that said, Simeon had his moments as well. And I wrote a pretty, a pretty in-depth, lengthy piece on this where basically what I said is it comes down to philosophy. What do you look for out of a quarterback? Do you want somebody who's going to be explosive or do you want somebody who's going to be a little less explosive but more secure with the football? That's the question that the Broncos have to answer. I think Trevor Simeon is what he is. This notion that he's going to be, you know, have some kind of crazy ceiling that he's going to learn. And I don't see that. I see in OTAs, I've seen pretty much the same player in uh, this OTA period as I saw during training camp last year. But the opposite is true for Lynch. I see a player that has grown substantially uh, from last season to this season. And I think if you're asking me, I think he's ready to take on this role. But ultimately, as Vance Joseph said over and over again, training camp is going to be the deciding factor. 
It absolutely is, considering the fact that OTAs aren't full-speed practices and they don't have pads on at OTAs, and the truth will come out when the pads go on and you go full speed, as as they say, and that is an important thing to note. And I also noted in that last question that Paxton Lynch can indeed um, uh, screw it up given his gunslinging playing style, so that's another important factor for Broncos fans to know. And here is another good point that you mentioned on a recent podcast of yours that I found um, very important. You said that the bread and butter of the Mike McCoy offense is the short to intermediate passes. And those are things that Paxton Lynch still struggles with to a certain degree. And that is Trevor Simeon's specialty. Doesn't that suggest a certain advantage for Simeon in this competition? Why or why not? I, I think it, it certainly it's true that it's a short to intermediate passing game that, that will define this offense. But I think that it doesn't, I think, offhand, yeah, you would think that that would imply a, a slight advantage for Simeon. But I think the question additionally is, what can Simeon do on those plays that go off schedule, right? Because the, the thing that, that Mike McCoy's offense really thrives on is the ability to be diverse, right? It's the ability to go into multiple sets, it's the ability to do different things offensively. So if you're just talking, throwing those short to intermediate passes, yeah, Trevor Simeon is good at that. Can he do the other stuff? Can he do the stuff that's harder to learn? I don't know if he can. Just physically, if he can throw a deep out, if he can throw you know, a deep post, if he can split double coverage down the field. But I've seen Paxton Lynch do that. And I'm starting to see Paxton Lynch more consistently handle the short to intermediate passing game. I believe Lynch can learn those things, and I think he is learning those things. He's always looking to take shots down the field, which is good, but it gets him into trouble. If he can be a little, I mean, dial it back just a little bit, I think you're going to see a guy who is great uh, in the short to intermediate passing game because he certainly has the skill set, and he could be even better with some of the more explosive plays that I think this offense desperately lacked last season. Juice, as Vance Joseph calls it. They definitely need more juice and the more juicy plays in OTAs, as uh, you noted, definitely came from Paxton Lynch. And uh, I'm not suggesting uh, that Paxton Lynch hasn't grown. He clearly has, based on all the evidence that's out there. Uh, and, uh, I'm, uh, and I have some optimism about him, but... Uh, just uh, for the sake of uh, rehashing uh, some old uh, old words that you told me uh, this uh, past several months, you got some mixed reviews on Paxton Lynch from inside the building at Broncos headquarters. Some are very happy with the progress he's made so far this offseason, but others are not because of his work ethic and off-the-field uh, type stuff. Where do you believe the plurality of the Broncos decision-makers stand on Paxton Lynch at this time? I think generally they're happy. Uh, I think there there was some frustration early in the offseason about some of the work ethic things that he was putting in, but I think the OTAs really kind of changed that narrative. He came in and had really good practices across the board, even in practices that were closed to the media, just talking with some folks who did watch him, some some Broncos people who, who were involved in those practices. They were impressive, uh, and they were as impressive as, as one particular practice he had before the actual minicamp started the the last week of OTAs he had one practice that was just especially impressive and I was told that that's kind of how he had looked through much of the period so Broncos personnel generally has been really really impressed it's also 
there's also a little bit of hesitation. They want to see him do it with live bullets. They want to see him manage the offense, work the line of scrimmage, change the play, have an understanding of going through his progressions, those kind of things that you have to do as an NFL quarterback that Lynch has kind of struggled with. But they are, I think, more confident, especially after OTAs and minicamp, that he's going to be able to do that, and that eventually, whether it's this season uh, immediately or down the road this season or maybe even next season, he is going to be ready to be a franchise-caliber starting quarterback in the NFL. I think there's a lot of excitement about him around the building. Now, they won't say that because they don't want to diminish Trevor Simeon necessarily, but I think just talking with people who have been around the building, there's a lot of excitement about Paxton Lynch uh, over at the UC Health Training Center. And that includes players as well, by the way. Uh, I have not heard a player tell me on or off the record that they haven't been at least a little impressed with Lynch's progress. Those are very good sides indeed for Paxton Lynch, uh, Jake. And uh, you answered a follow-up question I was about to ask by saying if he somehow does not win the starting job uh, this year against Simeon uh, right away, uh, the Broncos definitely um, uh, will not give up on him if that is the case uh, come week one, if Simeon is still our center. They still have plans uh, for him to be there for the long-term future. Um, is that a reasonable uh, assessment? Yeah, I, I think there was a lot. Of, there were a lot of people in the media and in the NFL who, who saw Lynch coming out of Memphis as a two-year project, as even a two- to three-year project before he'd be ready to go. Uh I see him as someone who's probably closer to being ready to play now, but they are certainly not ready to give up on a first-round draft pick, because I've talked about over and over again, it is extraordinarily rare for a team to take a quarterback in the first round and never turn the keys over to him. It just doesn't happen. Now, there are a lot of quarterbacks that get the keys turned over to them and flail and, and, and become busts in the NFL, the Ryan Leafs, the Jamarcus Russells, the list goes on and on. But they have all at one point or another been given the opportunity to play. And I think Lynch will at some point, I believe this season, be given the opportunity to play. And I think that's probably what's best for the Broncos ultimately. I completely agree. And uh, one final thing about this quarterback competition. Would you be surprised if this competition lasted into the regular season? Yes, I would. Uh I think they're going to be ready to name a starter. I think ideally they'd like to do it before that third preseason game. Uh, but I think I think a really good metric is going to be they have the first week of training camp here, and then they go out to San Francisco for training camp practices out there and their second preseason game. I think that is going to be a really important test. Or it might be their first preseason game. I need to go back and look at the schedule. But they play a preseason game out there. Uh, that is going to be a really important test. What are they saying after that first week, after going on the road? I think there's a chance they may come back from San Francisco with their quarterback picked out. Uh, I think what Vance Joseph is going to want to see is consistency in terms of not just who's consistently moving the offense and who's consistently protecting the football, but who's consistently providing explosiveness in the offense as well. I think people hear the term consistency, and they think of Trevor Simeon, I think consistency compiles a whole lot more than just, hey, who's protecting the football right now? Most definitely. People have to understand what Vance Joseph uses, words like, I want to pick the guy who 
has the best decisions and who uh, is the most consistent. People have to understand that those are relative terms, and he doesn't necessarily mean uh, just uh, protect the football and play not to lose like Trevor Sibiot. He means consistently make big plays like Paxton Lynch. And uh, and that uh, and people really have to understand that uh, just to, to make it clear to our listeners. And uh, now let's uh, move on to uh, the rest of this Broncos team. And aside from this quarterback competition, what other position battles should Broncos fans be paying attention to in training camp? Well, the one I'm going to be interested in as well is the left tackle competition. I think everybody assumes that Garrett Bowles, their first round draft pick, is going to be given the opportunity to to start there and. I frankly thought he would probably kind of be handed the job, but that hasn't happened. They've really made Bowles earn it through OTAs and minicamp, and he's run into a little bit of competition from Ty Sambrilo. Now, I know that some people will scoff at that, but I have really, I'm telling you, Decrom, Ty Sambrilo looks different to me. He looks, he looks like an NFL left tackle, which is something that he hasn't in the last several years. He's been so injured both of his first two seasons, that he hasn't been able to get into the weight room. He hasn't been able to lift. He told me himself that his entire goal for the offseason was going to be to build his upper body. And that was evident on day one that he looked bigger, and it's only gotten more and more true. He is, he's got a, he's rocking a cool beard. He's barrel chested. <laughs> he looks like a different player right now. And I think that is going to probably translate for him there's no doubt that Sam Brilo has the athleticism to play along uh, the, the offensive line in the NFL. Question's just been, how does he handle the bull rush? How well is he able to kind of handle the more brute force things that come with playing left tackle? And I think that he can. But I think ultimately it's definitely going to probably be Garrett Bowles' job to lose. But don't be surprised if Ty Sam Brilo really puts up a fight there. Uh, that's one. I'm also really interested in what's going to go on at slot receiver and at tight end. Uh, I think that's been a little bit under-talked. Um, slot receiver, obviously, you're going to have probably two guys there. The two rookies, Henderson and McKenzie, are really going to kind of battle that out. McKenzie was impressive in OTAs and minicamp, but I think the Broncos really see Henderson uh, Carlos Henderson is the guy who's going to be that inside slot receiver for them. I think they see McKenzie more as a speed guy. They can use him out of the backfield. They can use him in the slot. They can kind of move him all over the field. I think those are the two guys who are going to be competing there. And then at tight end as well, I'm interested to see how that how that works itself out. Because they're a little crowded there, Decron. They've got A.J. Derby, Virgil Green, Jeff Hireman, and Jake Butt. Not to mention the practice squad guys they've got, like Stephen Shew, and, and I think there's one more. I think there's Henry, Henry Krieger-Cobble. Yeah. Yep. Um, they've got they've got a, a good group of guys there. I think they really believe that Jake Butt could be a, a player for them, but I'm telling you, he is far away from being ready to go. He will probably be a pup guy and could be like a week six, week seven of the regular season kind of guy until he's really ready to come out and, and practice and play. He was just, he did not participate at all in, in really OTAs or minicamp. They had him off to the side doing just kind of strength work on his knee. I haven't seen the guy run yet. Uh, he doesn't have a brace on all the time, but he is still a long, long way from being ready to go. But when he is, that complicates things. And I, I wonder if they hold on to A.J. Derby 
just as long as Jake Butt isn't ready to go. Virgil Green is also in a tough spot. I think Virgil, if I were writing a list of players that I think are, are likely veteran cuts, I think Virgil Green's probably at or near the top of that list. And I also think Jeff Hireman could be on the hot seat, too. Uh, he he has been pretty universally disappointing for the Broncos. Last season, he was, at least. And there are some things kind of internally with Jeff that are concerning uh, that, you know, are, are just kind of out there that the Broncos are, are aware of that, that make things a little tricky for him. So I, I think that Jeff Hireman, Virgil Green, the A.J. Derby dynamic is going to be really interesting to watch. So besides the quarterback position, there are other things on the offense that interest me. Uh, real quickly, trying to run through the, the defensive side of the ball. I can't really think of anything definitively up front that'll be a competition per se they're going to have to figure out exactly what their defensive line rotation is going to be with Barrett's injury they're going to have to figure out if they have a guy who could be kind of that third outside linebacking rusher uh, outside linebacker pass rusher guy uh Kasim Etabali kind of played that role but I don't know that they're convinced he can do that in the regular season but I think most of the questions, as is the case always with the Broncos, are on the offensive side of the ball. That defense is pretty well set. They're pretty well stacked for this season, and they're fired up. I'm telling you, they've, they've been physical through these OTAs and these minicamps. And definitely looking forward to uh, seeing that physicality on the field uh, come August. And uh, he is Jake Marcy, ladies and gentlemen, of 5280 Sports Network, where he covers both the Denver Broncos and the Denver Nuggets, as he will this week for the NBA draft. And you can catch him on Twitter at Jake D. Marcy. And uh, one uh, final question about uh, trading cap battles and rosters and things like that. Which players who made the 53-man roster last season do you think will be hard-pressed to make it in 2017? Are you counting players who made the 53 from the jump or players who were added to the 53 later who made it from the jump who made it from the okay. jump okay um like i said i think i think virgil green is probably going to be at the top of that list also cody latimer i think is in a little bit of trouble uh cody is one of these players who consistently shows up during camp and during i mean june is cody latimer's favorite month i mean he comes out <laughs> and balls out in, in june but when it comes time to actually play football, he struggles. And I think a lot of those struggles are mental. Uh, I think he really had a hard time coming into the league and having Peyton Manning as his quarterback. Uh, I think that was not great for him. And he's really struggled to figure out the league since then. So so Cody and Virgil would be my two guys. I asked the question about uh, guys who were added to the 53 later in the year because one guy that I've, uh, frankly, I've kind of become fond of him, but... Uh, he knows he's in a little bit of trouble as well. Uh, Khalif Raymond, the Broncos kick returner from the end of last season, actually led the Broncos in, in average kick return yards. He's uh, he's probably going to be in a spot of trouble as well. Uh, he's been out with a hand injury through pretty much most of this this OTA and training uh, minicamp period. He should be ready to go by camp. But there are th- those are probably the three guys: Raymond, Vladimir, and uh, Green that I would look at and say they're probably in the most trouble. And I've heard similar sentiments myself, and with especially the additions of Carlos Sanderson and Isaiah McKenzie in the draft, that definitely puts Khalif Raymond in a very, very difficult spot to make make this roster. And uh, now let's uh, talk more about what lies ahead for the Broncos, not just in 2017, but in the future. As I'm sure uh, you um, heard 
uh, former NFL front office executive Michael Lombardi, most notably from the Patriots, Raiders, and most recently GM of the Browns in 2013. He wrote a column for The Ringer in which he described the state of where the Broncos are at currently in a pretty accurate way. He said that because the Broncos have either unproven or average quarterback play at offense, yet most of the main defensive ingredients remain in place, the Broncos are in a perilous spot, trapped, as he said, between past glory and future strategy. In other words, they're obviously at a crossroads right now. What are your feelings on the current state of the Broncos and what are reasonable expectations for Broncos fans to have for this 2017 season? Well, look, the defense is going to be excellent. Uh, it's going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be as good as it's been the last two years, but I think it's going to be a good unit. I think there's a lot of talent there. Those guys are fired up. They're a little bit older, but I think that there's a lot of uh, talent there. The, the things that Joe Woods is planning to do, I think are going to be really fun for Broncos fans to finally see. Uh, so I think defensively they're going to be fine, but I think the Lombardi column is right in that the Broncos are kind of in a weird position. They're stuck between uh, a rebuild and being a championship contender, and they don't really, they can't really decide which direction they want to go because I think they believe they have a defense that can win them championships, and I believe that they, I believe they think they want a Super Bowl with a below average offense and below average quarterback play well below average quarterback play and I think they want to see what a new system a new offense and potentially uh, their third starting quarterback in three years if they go with Paxton Lynch what that would mean for this offense uh, I mean their third regular starting quarterback from from day one their third week one starter uh, I, I want to I think they believe they want to see what that does for this offense I think expectations they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender uh, this season. I just, I don't think that that's where they are. Their schedule is too difficult. There are too many issues with that. I look at them right now, uh, having seen them a little bit. Admittedly, I don't like to make predictions this early. Uh, I don't like to make predictions until at least the second week of training camp. But I, I see them kind of as somewhere. I think their ceiling is is wildly high too because. They've got the they've got a defense that can ball, and if that defense can steal a couple games for them, they'll they could be in good shape. But I see them as somewhere between a six and like a six and ten team and a ten and six team, uh, and I'd probably lean closer to a six and ten team, maybe even five and eleven. I've said before. Uh, I don't think they're going to be awful the whole time, but they're certainly going to struggle in a lot of ways. And so my belief all along has been that the Broncos need to embrace that. They need to say, okay, we need to go ahead and execute a small rebuild here, which is kind of what they've already done. They've gone through a new head coaching staff. They're going to have a new quarterback, but they need to make a couple small little moves and admit that they're trying to retool a little bit uh, going forward. And I think the, the, the biggest piece of that is the quarterback's development if they go ahead and go with Lynch, I, I think that would be the smartest thing for them. Does that mean they potentially cost themselves a couple of games? Maybe. But I think long-term, that's that's the better solution for them. Uh, if I had to put a record on it, I'd say, again, between 6-6 six and 6-10, six and six and uh, I'd probably put, them, uh, probably put them right at about 7-9 and nine right now, if I had to guess, uh, absent a lot of evidence that I usually use to make that decision. 
I actually completely agree with you right there, Jake. You said it. This is a team pretty much with a 5-11, 6-10 floor and a 10-6 C-League, if not 11-5 C-League, if the defense does uh, uh, return to their 2015 there, ways and, and steal some games. Yeah, there are just so many variables with, with how this team could, could turn out. More than I think any team, certainly in the division, uh, uh, because they, they have a championship caliber about them. With a new head coach, though, you expect a little bit of drop-off. A new defensive coordinator, you expect a little drop-off. I think I think it's reasonable to assume they're going to be a somewhat lesser team, even an overall record, than they were last year. I mean, they probably shouldn't have been a 9-7 and team last year, quite frankly. Uh, they probably I should agree. Have been, they probably should have been closer to a 7-9, 6-10 team. They got a couple of wins, the New Orleans game, the, Can- the Carolina game, and then I even look at that last game of the season – where I mean, goodness, Connor Cook was playing. Uh, Connor Cook played quite a bit in in the last game of, of that season that I, I covered that game at, uh, at in Denver when the Raiders came into town. And and I look at that game and say they probably, you know, they they kind of dominated that game, but they were emotionally charged. If it's a normal circumstance, do they beat the Raiders? I, I don't know that they do. Uh, I would say probably six and ten to to, to ten and six, leaning closer to six and ten or seven and nine. I think is probably where I'm going to wind up. They're going to be really great moments out of this team, especially if they make Paxton Lynch their starting quarterback. He will flash greatness at times. He will do things athletically that will wow you, but he will also make dumb decisions that will blow Twitter up and cause everybody to freak out and say he needs to be benched and this and that, just like they did with Peyton Manning, and ultimately. This is going to be an exercise in patience, not just for the Broncos, but for Broncos fans. And that's something that I caution, that fans have to understand where this team is at. They are a good team with a very good defense going through a rebuild at the most important position in sports. And until, in my opinion, until Paxton Lynch develops into the guy that I think he can be, and that I think many people around the building and certainly around the league think he can be, uh, then they're going to they're gonna struggle at times. And that's just something that they have to deal with. And I think that they will. I think, I think they will play this the right way. And I think after being around Vance Joseph a little bit, I trust him to, to do things the right way on this. Everything you have said in the last five minutes or so, I completely agreed with before we started taping the show, Jake. I, I'm dead serious. I believe that the Broncos' main goal in 2017 is figuring out what the way forward is and whether or not Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch can provide that long-term answer for them uh, under center. And yes, they the way they won the Super Bowl in 2015 cannot be ignored and it can't be written off as fluky. It was remarkable. It, it, it was easy, one of the five best defensive performances in NFL history, and Football Outsiders agrees with me based on what they released today by saying that the 2015 Broncos defense was one of the five best defensive performances of the past uh, 30 seasons. And But people also have to realize that that season was the exception, not the rule. The rule is it all comes down to who is playing quarterback. And if you look at the rest of this Broncos division, for crying out loud, 
You got Derek Carr, who is going to be one of the your next consistent all-pro quarterbacks for years to come. Uh, the, the Chiefs in kind of a similar situation with a caretaker versus a young gunslinger, although that caretaker is Alex Smith and he is a veteran, so that makes the situation there's better. Although Patrick Mahomes is a very similar player to Patrick Lynch, whose development will be equally as intriguing to watch. And he got the Chargers, and, and, they're, and they're going all in to give Phillip Rivers whatever he can to make one final run at that elusive championship, and they've quietly built a very solid roster, and that is why Broncos fans should not freak out if the Broncos finished last in this division uh, this year. And it, I don't think it reflects on how bad of a team they are at the moment. I think it reflects on how competitive and tough the division is, and uh, and and as long as they compete uh, and, and stay in every game and finish the year where, wherever, whether it's six and ten, seven and nine, or nine and seven, or ten and six. Uh, that's the season uh, people should expect. It is a season to prepare for the future. Absolutely. I think, and not just on the field as well, Decrom. I, I would advise fans to pay attention to what's going on with this John Elway contract situation. Um, I'm not saying there's anything there, but I'm not saying there's not anything there either. Uh, the, the fact that the Broncos have been as tight-lipped about that as they have and the fact that nothing really is even moving on that right now, and, and on top of you know some of the other concerns I've, I've kind of heard rumblings about, just keep an eye on that. The, the Broncos are very much, and they don't, they would not like me to say this, but they are in many ways an organization in flux. Are they still one of the most dominant franchises in the NFL and in the history of professional sports? Even absolutely, they are. They are one of the top sport, uh, one of the top teams in all of pro sports, one of the top franchises, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. They will continue to be one of the most well-run franchises in sports, but there is just enough there right now to make me, if I'm a Broncos fan, really be a little bit concerned, uh, not just about what's going on on the field, but about what's going on off the field. I completely agree, and this takes me to our final question of the evening. Uh, and for the record, folks, let me be as fair as I can be. John Elway has not, not been a bad general manager at all. As a matter of fact, I think he deserves a lot of credit, more credit than many will give him for the draft picks at the value sightings, whether they be Von Miller, Derek Wolf, or value sightings like Brandon Marshall or Darian Stewart. Those four players comprise some of the key pieces to that legendary Super Bowl winning defense two years ago. However, I don't think he's an elite general manager either as obviously Peyton Manning's presence on the team as the presence of any proven bona fide franchise quarterback lured all the big money free agents to town and helped mask uh, his weaknesses, which were exposed last year. While Elway, I think, at the end is likely to get a contract extension for the Broncos, I'm not sure if I would give him a super long leash. How many years should the extension be for, and do you think the clock should start ticking on his tenure if the Broncos have a poor 2017? No, I don't. I think, and I don't think the Broncos do either. I agree with you on a couple of points you make. I think the importance of Peyton Manning's presence on the roster can't be overstated. Free agents like Demarcus Ware, like T.J. Ward, like Aqib Talib, all signed here largely, or at least in part, because of the opportunity that they had to come play on a team with Peyton Manning as their quarterback. But you have to give John Elway credit as well for being the guy who lured Peyton Manning to Denver, and that. That can't be overstated, and what a big deal that was. I've talked with Brandon Stokely before about this. Stokely, obviously, one of one of Peyton's, probably Peyton's best friend here in Denver, and he he has told me directly what a big deal it was 
for, for John Elway to be representing the Broncos when Peyton Manning was deciding where to go. So you have to give John credit on that. And I think he's done all right in the draft. I liked the draft that they had this year. I think obviously 2013 he'd like to have back, frankly, as would many GMs in the NFL. 2013 was not a good year for a lot of teams in the draft. Uh, he'd like to have that year back. He'd like to have some of his second-round picks back, Bonte Ball, uh, you know, a cup, Cody Latimer, I think he'd probably reconsider at this stage. But the Broncos ultimately uh, are going to be in a really good position uh, going forward if they can figure out kind of kind of what direction, what path they want to go down here. On the Elway contract, I know that there is an offer. Uh, I know that there's an offer that's been sitting on the table, I believe, since October. Um, and they've just kind of tabled discussions. Now, why they've kind of put it off, I, I don't know exactly. Uh, I, I have my, my guesses, my educated guesses, uh, whether it's got something to do with his, uh, whether it's got something to do with, you know, his, his desire to maybe expand into other markets. Or what I know generally is that it's on John right now. It's not a decision like you frame it like the Broncos are having to make a call about this. It really is not. The Broncos want John Elway to be their general manager. It's up to John at this point about what he wants to do. And I think he has essentially any choice in the world about what he wants to do. But even if John Elway, in let's say a crazy hypothetical world, where John Elway doesn't re-sign as the Broncos general manager, I can tell you, Decron, that the organization has a plan in place if that were to be the case. Uh, I believe Matt Russell's a really big part of that plan. I think Matt is ready to be a general manager in the NFL. He's had opportunities uh, to be a general manager in the NFL, and I think he would really appreciate and and deserve an opportunity here in Denver should it become available. But I think John right now, and he said it, he said it's going to get done. He's not worried about it. But as long as that deal is still sitting on the table, and nothing's signed and nothing's being talked about or done, then it's a concern. And people that I've talked to have told me that if it's not done by training camp, then it's a really big concern. Um, just just keep an eye on it. I'm not saying it's a huge deal. I'm just saying keep an eye on it. And thank you very much once again, Jake, for that inside information and plenty more this evening. You are truly a great friend of the program. And once again, you at home, you can follow him on Twitter at Jake. Dee Barsig, he has great work on the Broncos all season long, and he also dabbles in the NBA and specifically the Denver Nuggets, and you can see a lot of his great work this week during the NBA draft. And that's all for tonight here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. but we plan to be back here as early as next week with a lot of brand new guests, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well, an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com, and that is Crunch with a K. For Jake Marsing, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and, of course, stay awesome.